0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for
1: more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman.
0: Hello there everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee podcast. I hope that you are all safe, healthy and well out there. My name is James joined by my co-host Alex as always. Hello Alex how are you holding up? Quarantine life.
1: It's not too bad, man. I mean, like everyone else, getting a lot of stuff done around the house, inside and out, Um, spending a lot of time with my significant other, as well as playing a lot of games, which maybe isn't the best. Um, What about you? It seems like you've been pretty productive.
0: Yeah, I've gotten into some trying to get into some good habits while there's literally no other things to do. So I've been trying to exercise in the morning, you know, eat healthy, do all that good stuff. And I've been trying to read more lately. So that's been on my agenda. So that's it's been. You know, it's, a, it's a bleak situation globally, but trying to make the best of it Well, locked down.
1: That's dope, dude. You're, uh, you're an inspiration <laughs> for all of us.
0: Get out and exercise. It's a be- it's a beautiful day up here in Maine. I'm not sure what the weather's like down in Virginia for you.
1: Nah, it's not too bad. Not too bad.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get into the, the matters of the day. So today we're going to just quickly talk about some of the news coming out regarding the potential... Albeit unlikely return of the Premier League. And then we're going to do the first player in our series of player profiles. We're going to be talking a little bit about Luca Dean's career, so stay tuned for that. If you want to skip ahead, it'll only be a few minutes, but we'll put the timestamp in the description. Alex, it looked I saw yesterday rumored that the Premier League is looking for a tentative, best case scenario, early June return to action. What's your initial take on that date?
1: I think it doesn't make sense, right? Like usually the season ends in May and then the season picks back up again in early to mid-August. We have um a number of games left to play. I wanna say it's something around, I don't know, eight it's in the high teens, right? Yeah. And so it's just been so long since I've watched a uh, soccer. I haven't paid attention to the matches played recently, but uh we we have like in the high teens worth of matches to play. Um I know that if it ever happens, it's gonna be behind closed doors. If we're talking about, you know, June, for example. But there's no way that they're going to play that many games before the start of next season. Um, there's no reason that you need to hamper the next season uh, based on what's happened during this season, right? Like contain it in terms, even just like a business perspective, and like just um, from a, from a sporting perspective, you don't need to you don't need to transfer kind of the issues to the next season if you could just start fresh. In my opinion, um, so I, I think it doesn't. I don't. I don't think it makes sense to me, and I personally would not really. Obviously, I, I very much miss Everton play, um, but I, I don't think that I would be a fan of starting it in June. Um, even if, for example, we might they might be able to cut the games in half and then play them all behind closed doors, and then we'd still start up in August because then your players don't get a break either.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no good. The best case scenario is still a really, really bad scenario, and if they're able to finish the season, there's still huge, you know, ramifications. Towards next season, looking forward, if they can't finish the season, you have also really potentially disruptive and and damaging ramifications to come down the line. So, I do not envy the position that many of, you, not even just the Premier League, Premier League in particular, obviously because that's the topic of the show, but but sports competitions worldwide. I don't envy the organizers, the global leaders who have to make these decisions because for the Premier League, you know, there's a ton, a ton of money on the line. We're talking in the billions of dollars. And if they don't finish the season, then there's the potential to lose all that revenue. What does that do to the structure of the league as we know it? It's impossible to kind of predict what's going to come of the league. But I think just reacting to that initial date, it just doesn't seem possible. The best case scenario, I said this to you yesterday in text, it seems like every time we have a best case scenario, they throw it out there just as like a desperate hope. And then within a few days, any... Notion that that would be realistic is thrown out the window. So they'll say June now. And then in a couple of weeks, they'll say end of June. And then we're looking at July. That's my, my prediction on it, at least. And it's sad because I do want the season to be resolved and I do want to be able to go into next season with a clean slate and have everything set in stone and know what's going to happen. But at this point, it's still just so up in the air. So it's hard to kind of speculate, but just it continues to amaze me every single day how. Quickly and dramatically, the entire global landscape for sport and for life and for everything has changed.
1: It is. I mean, it's insane. Like, not to get off topic, but in the same thought process, when you're talking about, they'll throw out a best case scenario and they just kind of blow by it, right? Like, my work, for example, they, they, um, HR cleared all of us to work from home from March 20th to April 20th. Tomorrow is April 20th. I haven't heard anything from, management to tell me whether I'm going back in or not. And I'm just straight up assuming I'm not like, I'm not even worried about it because of the fact that, I mean, you know, right. Like the state is still, the state is still shut down and, and, or under stay at home orders. Right. So it's just like, you wonder how they can, they can go about making these decisions when, you know, the lawmakers haven't quite made the decisions yet because we don't have a clear picture. And then how can the lawmakers make a good decision if, you know, they're still kind of twiddling their thumbs, waiting on, waiting on like data and, and, and trade deals for masks and yeah. ventilators. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. And that I don't know how you even make a good decision yet because you can't, you know, you, you don't know, you don't know what's happening. Everyone's
0: operating on an incomplete data set with, you know, 20 different factors operating against each other with each other at any one time. It's an, it's an, it's a data model that I do not, as someone who works with data, do not envy anyone having to try to make any kind of assumptions with the inconsistency of the data that we have. But you're right, Alex, it's going to have to be a top-down approach. We're going to have to get clearance from the government before any leaders below that will be able to make any kind of decisions. So we're kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature right now, and I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. It's just it's it's a crazy situation, and I think everyone right now just needs to focus on staying safe and doing what they can to maintain society and keep everyone healthy and make sure that we can mitigate the the effects of this virus as effectively as we possibly can. With that said, people are probably looking for an escape from all the coronavirus talk, and hopefully we can provide that today. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Luca Dean's career today. Alex, this was um, an idea that you had originally, someone had brought to you and you had floated out. So I guess you can kind of intro it as sort of what we had thought about doing and and sort of where
1: we're at right now. Right. So listen, I mean, soccer's not being played. Soccer hasn't been played. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you follow any content creators, including us, right? Like it's very hard to come up with, with things to talk about Everton related that are, that are relevant to the current situation, that make you want to listen, that are interesting. And so the thought that, you know, we had was essentially let's do in-depth player profiles. Let's take time to research different players and come up with a holistic view, or a pretty holistic view, of of, of their careers. Find fun facts. Um, look at players they've played with before that maybe you wouldn't know, that you you might not have known they played with, right? Whether that's very notable players or players that might have, let's say, an Everton connection. Um, so we're really excited. Hopefully, y'all enjoy it, and then we'll uh, figure out who the uh, next player will be. But without further ado, and because James took French in school. I will let him start off, um, talking about Luca Dean's youth career in France, where it all started.
0: Yeah. You guys will have to bear with me with my French pronunciations. I'm going to do the best I can. The seven years of French, uh, I'll, I'll be close, but probably not dead on. So bear with me. But yeah. So, so Luca Dean born in 1993, a year before I was born, before I graced the earth with my presence. Mm-hmm. Luca Dean born in Mieux, France, which is about an hour or so outside of Paris for context. He began his youth career at a small local club called marie sur Orc, which, again, bear with me. Uh, and he played there for a few years before moving to another smaller local club called Crepe-en-Valois. That went on. So by the time he was 12, he had sort of gathered a bit of a reputation as a youth player. And as so many young players do, they moved to... Larger clubs, larger youth systems where they can be, have better resources to be developed. And that was the case with Luca Dean. And in 2005, he moved to Lille, which he played for Lille, uh, the youth setup from 2005 to 2010. And then he was promoted to the Lille B team where he played for the 2010 2011 season, which actually. Uh, the 2010 and 2011 season was a bit before, for context, PSG kind of had their takeover and, and rose through the ranks to become the most, arguably the most prominent French side globally. Um, they did the double that season. Lille did. They won League one as well as the Coupe de France, which is like the FA Cup, uh, for France. So then in, uh, 2011, 2013, or 2011, 2012, he, he made the jump up to the senior team. And I'll throw it off to Alex to talk a little bit about that.
1: So, first of all, it's insane, right, that 2010-2011 when he's in the B team is when they won the double, and then the next season he's promoted and he's playing in the first team, right? Like, if you just think about the logistics of that, if you've got a a double-winning squad, what are the odds that a youth player is going to come up through the ranks and then break into the first team the very next season? Not very high at all. Exactly, yeah. Nonetheless, the manager that gave him his first team debut – at Lille in in 2011 was Rudy Garcia. As you said, um, they already won the French double. I want to say that they finished third in Luka Dean's first season, Um, but don't quote me on that guy. I forgot to write that down in our notes. Overall, for Lille, he made 59 appearances, scored two goals, but players, some interesting players he played with, he played with Eden Hazard while at Lille. He played uh, with Joe Cole, who was a midfielder on loan from the Shite, if you will. and. This may be a fun fact for some, I'm sure. He also played with Gana Gay at Lille in 2011 through 2013. Um, so that's a nice, uh, that's, I'm sure, most people, one of most people's favorite players uh, that played for Everton in, in recent years. And so that's also a nice connection there, too.
0: Yeah, so the reason
1: that we mentioned Joe Cole was just
0: because, so in doing the research for this piece, I was looking at a lot of French articles and doing translations and trying to figure out, um, you know, players that he played with and different facts and stuff from that time where there wasn't a ton of visibility for Lille particularly. And there was an interview with him and he mentioned, the, they asked him what it was like playing in the Lille first team as he broke through. And he's like, it's great playing every day with all these amazing players, Eden Hazard and Joe Cole. And obviously, you know, Joe Cole had a, had a very successful career in both England, France, and in other other European leagues. But just, just to hear those two players in the same breath was kind of amusing to me. And then of course the Ghana connection, which will of course, uh, fuses into the Everton connection later on. But he did have a very successful career. Lille broke through. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, this was right around the time when PSG were flush with Qatari cash. And so they splashed the cash, bought Luka Dean, brought him into PSG to kind of at the start of, of their ascend, uh, ascension into the top ranks of, of French football, where he played for Laurent Blanc um, for two years. He was at PSG. 43 appearances, didn't score
1: any goals, but he did win a lot of trophies. Yeah, I mean, they won the league twice. Uh, They won the Coupe de France, Coupe de la Liga, Liga, twice. And uh, the Trophy des Champions, three times. I'm sure I could have pronounced all of those better. But (laughs) think about that. In two seasons, he won eight trophies with PSG. And again, mind you, this was legitimately at the very beginning of their ascent, and so that's even, to me, I understood, you know, I knew PSG um, was was a club built in the same mold as, let's say, like Chelsea and City, uh, in terms of just getting a big injection of cash and then kind of just blowing up. But I didn't know that, A, um, it happened so recently, and B, I did not know that, that their success came so quickly.
0: Yeah, and he played with, of course, some pretty notable figures while at PSG, and also like further throughout the rest of his career. I mean, he's played for some of the biggest clubs in the world, but of course played with the one, the only Zlatan Ibrahimović, Thiago Silva, Edinson Cavani, Ezekiel Lovetsy, another one, yep. Johan Kabai. I know he played, uh, I believe Matt Tweedy was in that squad as well. So yep. he has played with some of the best players in, in European football, and that was sort of where that began. I mean, at Lille, obviously, Hazard being one of them, but then really just a star-studded superstar squad with PSG.
1: Right. And just a side note, we, we included Johan Kabay only because, you know, I mentioned I wanted to include notable players, very good players that he played with, but I also wanted to include um, some players that might have been interesting. I just had no idea that Johan Kabay used to play on PSG. All I know him for is, I, I want to say, Crystal Palace, right? And so I found it pretty interesting that he played with uh, Johan Kabay and so I want that as well. But nonetheless, um, another another interview that he he gave, but this time at PSG... He was asked which players he modeled his game after, and he mentioned Philip Lom specifically, and I would go as far as to say that, uh, that is pr- you, you could do worse than, than try to model your game after Philip Lom. And that's, that we, we probably, uh, Leighton Brain, Leighton Baines was probably told that a couple of years ago too, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he said in the interview, you know, Philip Lom is an is a player he models his game after, despite the fact that Lom obviously plays on the right, whereas Dean plays on the left, but, yeah, like you said, a pretty good player to look up to. It's interesting, you know, Dean being the same age as us, basically, the The generation of players that he looked up to is sort of the same type of players that we were watching as we were starting to become fans of the game. So, Philip Lahm, good shout, really interesting to see, you know, looking to Germany in particular for inspiration for how to model his game. Another interesting tidbit that I stumbled across in doing the research for this piece There was a rumor uh, in an article that I found that alleged that Alex Ferguson's brother Martin had recommended in 2013, while Dean was at PSG, specifically mentioned to Sir Alex that he should sign Dean to replace Patrice Evra after he watched him play in a France U21 match. So already during this time, while he's at PSG, he's starting to attract notice from some of the top club's I know I believe at this time as well, City had been linked with him. He had been linked with Liverpool. He had been linked with some of the other top clubs. So once you're in that kind of top echelon of clubs, there's obviously a lot of like interchange that goes on. But to see that there's a potential chance, and again, you, you can't really trust the media on this. It could be completely fabricated. But to see that specific of a shout, Alex Ferguson getting... His own brother recommending Luca Dean and he didn't follow through, which I think in hindsight, we're all probably thankful for.
1: Well, you know what? Honestly, I think, I think if Luca Dean would have gone to Man U in 2013 or 2014, I don't think his career would have gone the same that it has. And I don't think that would have been a good thing. Um, Conversely, he probably would have made slightly more money throughout his career, but who knows, dude, because United fans probably would have thrown him under the bus years and years ago. Um, I do want to point out before we move on to the next club, right? That if you notice, Luca Dean's appearances with Lille at 59 appearances, he played most matches, um, whereas in PSG, over two seasons, he, he had 43 appearances. Mind you, remember, they won like eight trophies, and so they were probably playing 45-ish matches um a season, probably even more, probably closer to 50. And so towards the end, um in 2015, PSG decided to... Uh, Loan Lucas Dean out to Roma for a season, the 2015-2016 season. And here's the interesting part, James. The manager at Rome, at Roma, uh, is none other than Rudy Garcia, who was the man that gave Luca Dean his first team debut at Lille in 2011.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting connection, and and you have to think. So from 2013 to 2015, while well at PSG, Luka Dean is ages 20 to 22, which, as we know from our own players, is kind of really extremely crucial for a player's develop- development. So I can only imagine how frustrating it was for him to not be able to get consistent game time, especially when he's looking to potentially break through into the France team and all these sorts of things. So the loan move to Roma was actually probably – Biggest, most important move of of Dean's career so far, besides, of course, the move to Merseyside. Because while he's at Roma, he plays basically every single game for them that whole season. In one season, he gets 42 appearances, which, again, one less than he managed in two full campaigns with PSG. Under Rudy Garcia, had a great season, scored two goals. That was an actually really interesting Roma side that included Mohamed Salah, uh, Antonio Rudiger, De Rossi, Edin Dzeko. So that's a really solid team. And again, he's surrounded by elite talent where he can further his, his development and also get that consistent game time. So following that season with Roma, Dean was in conversations throughout the year with PSG. PSG wanted him to come back. And he specifically said in an interview, he told them he didn't want to come back from Rome. Um, he didn't think that PSG was really the right fit. Obviously, game time concerns and all of that sort of thing. At first, the club had told him that that they didn't want to sell him, but of course, the way that football works in the modern age is if a player makes enough of a stink, then the club's hand is basically forced. And so after that really successful campaign with Roma, this is when things get really escalated and, and Dean makes the transfer to none other than Barcelona.
1: Yes, Barcelona in 2016. He actually played under two managers there. He played from 2016 to 2018, two seasons. He was playing under Luis Enrique for the first uh, season and then Valverde the second season. Now, in two seasons, again, mind you, you we've been kind of harping on the appearances because I think it tells an important story across his career. But he he had 46 appearances for Barcelona in the two seasons. So, again, we know that Barcelona um, plays quite a few matches during the season because they usually go quite far in other competitions, other cup competitions, whether European or domestic. And so 46 appearances in two seasons, is, is it's not anything to scoff at, but as you're approaching your prime and you're at Barcelona, you know, you may figure that you, you might want a little bit more play time. You know, their honors from Barcelona while he was at Barcelona included La Liga once, Copa del Rey twice, and the Supercopa de España. So still a very uh, successful period in his career. Um, no matter how much you're playing, uh, you're still part of the team and, and you're a very important piece specifically when you're pushing other players too. So I think that, um, obviously, you know, the players that he played with, we're talking about Barcelona. Um, so I'm sure that this list surprised <laughs> no one, but I'm going to jump through the hoops and let you know. Anyway, we've got Iniesta, right? Messi, Neymar, Suarez, uh, the list can go on and on honestly, but I, you know, we wanted to keep them somewhat short to, 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 uh, just revel in the glory of some of these players because some are not like the others.
0: Yeah, and don't forget about the fact that he, while at Barcelona, was deputizing for Jordi Alba, who is arguably one of the best left backs in Europe for the past decade or so. So whether or not you're playing week in, week out, as long as you're getting some games and being in training every single day with players of this quality, and it goes back to PSG and even his time at Lille, he has consistently had really, really good talent around him To improve his game every single day in training. And you can see, and we'll get into it in a little bit through the stats, but his, his game has definitely elevated almost every single year. But he has been victim of, of playing time. Like you start at Lille, you're playing every single, every single week virtually. You move to PSG, inconsistent game time. You have that one successful campaign at Roma, get game time. And then you make that the next move to Barcelona, hoping that that's going to be the next step in your career. Only for it to be a little bit disappointing when you can't displace Jordi Alba and, you know, there's no fault to Luca Dean for that. But you can see why this sort of trend or this, this stop start back and forth with clubs have started to bring us to present day, which is, of course, the purchase of Luca Dean by Everton and him making the move to the Premier
1: League. Yes. And, you know, just before we dive into the Everton related, um, stuff during his career, I just want to point out, like, think about your entire career, right? You might be a very promising player. Um, you're moving to all these ginormous clubs. Like imagine the pressure at not only, not only Lille as a, as a teenager, right. But then imagine the pressure and, and remember, cause remember Lille is not the same Lille we were talking about. Now this Lille, he, he came into the first team after they won the double. So imagine the pressure you have at Lille. Then imagine the pressure you have at PSG, and then Roma, and then Barcelona. Um, that's that's insane. And the fact that he continued to elevate his game each season and kind of fight through the adversity of, of not getting all of the appearances in the world speaks testament to how he is as a player and a person. Um, but as we dive into Everton, he's been in Everton uh, for close to two years now, from 2018 to present. He's had three managers, Marco Silva, Duncan Ferguson, and now Carlo Ancelotti. Um, but here's the coolest part. He has 64 appearances for Everton, five goals, the most appearances, and the most goals for any club to this point in his career.
0: So it just speaks to, again, how he has continued to develop as a player and particularly how his ability to get forward has improved Obviously, at some of those other clubs, Barcelona, PSG, you're not necessarily required to contribute as much on the offensive end. But the fact that he has stepped up that part of his game, and of course, Marco Silva was a big proponent of the attacking fullback, and particularly Dean in that first season last year. I mean, player of the season, unbelievable, consistent play time, didn't get injured, so good. And yeah, that results in a, over the course of two seasons, him having the most appearances in his career for Everton. And it is, uh, it's a great sight to see. And interestingly enough, particularly the matches under Marco Silva, he did, it was by far his most productive offensive spell of his entire career, where he puts five goals in the net and has 10 assists in just 55 appearances. For context, In all of his other club or senior appearances for both club and country, he scored just eight goals and 16 assists. And that's so that's, you know, five times for four times more matches and close to the same return. So just really, really prolific offensively under Marco Silva.
1: Right. And we talked about that, too. I mean, Marco Silva, like we know that he really loves his attacking fullbacks and they're a really important piece to his systems. But like, (laughs) think about the fact that we never even really had a proper center forward. Throughout Marcus Marco Silva's tenure, right, and so you know, imagine imagine the uh, the scoreboard or or his his stat sheet when you had maybe you had big Romelu Lukaku still up front for the Toffees.
0: I'm thinking about it right now, and it's it's bringing a, a smile to my face just thinking of what could have been. But I think it's more important that we look you know forward to what will be in the coming seasons. But some other interesting stats that we kind of dug into when when looking at his career as a whole. So. This will, this will surprise no one, but I just thought it was incredibly fitting. Luca Dean has two own goals in his entire career and both of them were for the Toffees. So (laughs) that's just Everton in a nutshell right there. But some more encouraging stats for, for Luca Dean is that since he's come to Everton, his average crosses per match have more than doubled. So he's averages roughly 2.3 crosses per match while in a blue shirt the next highest he managed in a single season was 0.8 per match at PSG. So you're looking at a, a huge increase in offensive contributions. Furthermore, um, and kind of in contrast to that, his dribbles per match have gone down significantly uh, compared to other clubs where he's averaging less than one dribble per match, about 0.75.
1: Conversely, actually, which is interesting enough, he's been dribbled past the most this season at once, Per match, whereas last season he was only at 0.5 dribbled pass per match, and so I find that pretty interesting. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that Luca Dean this this season um, has been bad. I think it's understood that he hasn't been as good as he was the previous season, but to see that he's getting dribbled passed essentially twice as much is not necessarily a great step.
0: Yeah. And there's obviously like there's the balance between offensive contribution and defensive contribution. And in the modern game, very few positions are as demanding as the outside back where you're asked to do both jobs consistently throughout the entire match. So, you know, the offense increases a little bit. Maybe the defensive uh stability decreases. But it is true that, you know, maybe his his he hasn't been able to focus purely on defense like he may have been uh, afforded the opportunity to at other clubs.
1: So why don't we wrap things up by talking about his national team career? Um, mind you, his national team career, unfortunately, has not been as um, as eventful as his career uh, with club. But nonetheless, he started off with the France U16s in 2008, um, and he played in the youth setup all the way through 2013. He made 72 appearances between the U16s through the U21s. Um, he did win the u 20 World Cup with France in 2013. I think that may remind you of uh, quite a few of our young players, uh, young English players at Everton in recent times.
0: Yeah, of course, Tom Davies, Calvert Lewin, John Joe Kenny, all of those strapping young lads. And I think you know, youth World Cup is still a, a tremendous achievement. Anytime you can represent your country at that level, the highest level possible for your age bracket, it speaks volumes of the quality you have as a player. And the fact that he was consistently in. The France team again. This was a very special. This is currently we're living through this them moving up to the senior team. But think about the youth setup where you have maybe the best French generation in, in a decade or so coming through the ranks, and Lucas Dean is is firmly in the mix for his selection for his country throughout that entire development process.
1: It could kind of remind you somewhat of John Joe Kenny's um, international career to this point, right? Because he was always captaining uh, the England youth sides. He was always Stuck in at right back, right? Like other players were not getting picked ahead of him and, and somehow he's doing pretty good at Schalke and not getting, not getting called up over quite a few other young English right backs that, you know, he would have been in the youth setup with and, and, and consistently beat out for a spot. But nonetheless, um, he finally made his France senior team debut in 2014 and he's made 30 appearances to this point. Um, on, so he, he ended up being uh, the Euros 2016 runners-up with France, Uh Andre Gomez's Portugal won that day, which is interesting, obviously because they would then go on to uh, play together at Barcelona as well, um, that summer specifically, actually, after the Euros. So that was pretty cool. Um, Then, unfortunately, during the 2018 World Cup, in which France actually won, Lucas Dean was left off the World Cup roster and did not get his World Cup winner's medal.
0: Yeah, unbelievably harsh on Luca Dean, but you have to think that that specific decision really factored heavily in his decision to then come to Everton. Because if I'm not mistaken, Francis Francis manager at the time had just said, "You know, you're not playing consistently enough for me to select you." But of course, given his record consistently being selected for the youth sides and then thirty cat or whatever he had at the time, multiple caps for the senior team must have been really hard not to pick him. And if you remember. They ended up playing I believe it was Pavard. They ended up playing like two center backs as their their wing backs during that tournament. And credit to them, it ended up working out. Unfortunately, it was of course at the expense of Luca Dean getting getting that medal. Jabril Sidibe, of course, was also in that team. So it's just so interesting to see how interconnected now players are, you know, across the globe, and then you might play at one club and then end up at the same club five or six years later later. Um, I, I just found that really interesting in doing the research, just kind of put this together.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully all of you uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. If you have um, any thoughts, comments, please let us know on, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, shoot us an email on our discord server. Otherwise, please let us know who you would like to see on the next player profile next week, um, because we will be working on that very shortly. Um, and either way, Thank you for tuning in. Up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast.
0: Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.